Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. I believe with every fibre of my being that the course I have set out is the right one for our country and all our people. What has been achieved today is not Brexit. I don't believe this government has negotiated fairly or effectively. Brexit is a lose-lose situation. We have always followed the EU mandate. It is utterly unacceptable to anybody who believes in democracy. Hello and welcome to Brexit The Final Countdown, your mostly weekly review of the progress or lack thereof with our pretty feeble attempts to leave the European Union. I'm Rebecca Hudson and this week I am honoured to be joined by Question Time Viral Sensation, Brexit campaigner. And I was going to call you a hashtag political hottie, but I don't know if we want to go there. You can <laughs> own can that if you want. Yeah, now. definitely hashtag political hottie, Emmy Hewitson. Hello and welcome. Hello. Hello. It's so lovely to have you. Um, I'm also joined by some other political hotties, uh, head of news and express <laughs> columnist, Paul Baldwin. Hello. Hello. Um, and I mean it as much for you, Joe, uh, our Europe editor in Brussels. Hello. 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 Guys, we've got Thank 71 you. days to go. Should we start stockpiling now? Already there. Guys, it's all about the backstop. Brexit means backstop, doesn't it? Uh, so earlier this week, Boris wrote a four-page letter to the European Council President uh, Don Tusk, where he explains why the backstop just doesn't work for us. Uh, he called it anti-democratic, said it was inconsistent with our decision to diverge from the European Union, um, and claims that it undermines the, Europe- the Good Friday Agreement, rather, as it takes uh, economic decision-making out of Northern Irish control. So he sends it, it's like four pages, and we get a big fat no from europe they're not interested we do yeah uh yeah no dice it's it's um it's it's a bit like trying to cure the common cold this it it kind of can't be done and in (laughs) in the end in the end uh, i don't know what you think joe but we're going to end up with some kind of fudge and we're going to have to trust the people's good auspices to somehow get it through Mm, emily what did emily what did you make of this attempt from Um, boris to So obviously the backstop is a big issue, but Mm. I think the whole withdrawal agreement as a whole is a massive issue. I think there's lots of other problems. And I think Boris has kind of thought that, oh, if the backstop uh, situation is sorted, that everyone will be happy and it'll be plain sailing. But I don't think that's the case at all. What I would say, though, is that uh, in Donald Tusk's response, Mm. he did say unless or until an alternative is found. And in my opinion, slightly the EU position might be softening. Oh, interesting. That's really interesting. Absolutely. There's also Merkel said last night, um, I've written it down somewhere. uh, Merkel said the EU would try and find practical solutions to the backstop. And uh, that's the first time she's sort of hinted that there might be a little crack there. And even Farage said this morning, that is, and I quote, the softest language I have heard from Brussels. Oh my goodness, so, so finally. Are so we seeing do we, cracks so in the down? Do you, you know? think that Boris's kind of hard wall, I'm going to spend billions of pounds prepping for no deal, has finally scared them into actually... Yeah, softening on the... That's interesting. I think so. I think so, because uh, it was actually interesting. In a recent, a recent documentary, uh, a lot of the EU said that the idea of no deal wasn't actually presented as much as Theresa May, you know, gave it the big one on the big stage. Mm. Oh, no, uh, no deal is better than a bad deal. Uh, when you actually speak to a lot of the EU negotiators, they didn't feel that that was the case. And I think Boris has actually scared them a bit and they've, you know, yeah. finally started to budge. He is balls out, no deal. Balls what's, out, Boris Brexit. What's the sense from across the channel, Yeah, Joe? come on, Joe. Um, I'm... I- 
I'm going to have to correct you a little bit. Oh, yeah. I, Oh the best our bubble already. We've only been on what, yes, I'm going to, so Mer- Merkel has always said we will find a practical backstop solution. Okay. But that doesn't mean the backstop is replaced. That is that she wants to use the transition period to replace the backstop to make sure it never comes into force. And that's what that's what Brussels essentially means. They're happy to listen to ideas. Okay. But what they want is they want Boris to craft something that shows a clear route out. That the he can build a Commons majority around. The, the Boris letter the was as markedly devoid of any practical ideas. Really, wasn't well, it? Well, it was back to this this bloody phrase: alternative arrangements, checks yeah. the border, yeah. technical advance, blah blah blah. I mean, it was just slightly empty, Emily. Standard. Don't you think? The like standard, standard, the standard language. Yeah, definitely. like there was nothing new. Yeah, there. but Not it is. Wildly. It goes back to the. It, no. it is an intractable pro- problem that it, there isn't. We can. Oh, this will be policy then. I can't, yeah. I can't see that ever happening. No. Too many, too many circles to be squared. Um, as this is a very fun, po- fun podcast. Oh, it's hilarious. As a reminder, <laughs> it's, it's a fun podcast. And yeah. um, we've actually got it. Everyone has been challenged to come up with a with a pithy <laughs> definition <laughs> of the backstop. Is this kind of a place? Can Ellie, I just say, just yeah. a free fr- to the wow, listeners, wild. there is not a lot of comedy in the backstop. <laughs> Tell me about it, um, because it comes up all the time, and yeah, it's, it's an insurmountable problem. But yes. I feel so few people, maybe even in this room, me really understand don't it. understand it. So everyone's been challenged. To come up with their definition, Joe, you're going to go first because you submitted yours first. Okay, so that's, a... that's very good. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Over okay. to you. So my my, my three sentence summary of the backstop is: the Northern Irish backstop is a controversial insurance policy inside the withdrawal agreement to prevent a hard border on the island of Ireland after Brexit. The measure essentially keeps Great Britain in the European Union's customs union and forced to adopt the bloc's rules for goods, while Northern Ireland will remain remains aligned to a number of single market rules for agriculture until an alternative is found. Brexiteers loathe the backstop after Attorney General Geoffrey Cox revealed there is no unilateral exit clause, meaning Britain could permanently be locked in the EU's customs union if Brussels refuses to negotiate a future agreement. Interesting. That was okay. good. There was a little bias. Okay. Controversial. No, 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 no. no, I know, I know. We are the voice of the fifty-two percent, but yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, like we, a bit we of controversy. Lo- uh, welcome to the podcast, everybody. Yes, we absolutely <laughs> do. Um, Joe, I thought that was very good and actually very clear. Thank you. No worries. But can anyone in the room do better? Paul Baldwin. Mine's pithier and possibly a touch more controversial. Oh gosh, it's not very really funny. If it's a rude though. joke, it's not rude. <laughs> okay. Why, why do you just suspect I'm going to do a rude joke all the time? I just terrified. Right, my, my, my three lines are the backstop is a prime directive from Brussels to London, an order, a demand, really. Uh, it gives us the, all the downside of being in the EU with none of the upside. And the controversial line, but I think a true one. And um, Without it, however, the corpse of the IRA stands a very good chance of being reanimated. Oh, Jesus. That's the fear. Wow. Okay. Gosh, that is a bit spicy for Wednesday morning. That's that's really, that's the subtext. That's the elephant in the room that no one dare talk about. But that's what we're really talking about. That's exactly what we're talking about, a return to the troubles, a return to violence. That's what we're... By not honouring the Good Friday Agreement, absolutely. All the thing that, that, yeah, absolutely. And it it would potentially legitimise the the vestigial remnants of the IRA. On both sides. Well, or sectarian violence. Or sectarian violence, yes, really, yeah. Um... Well, I think, and I, I think there's a kind of interesting point there that, yeah, this is why we can't just take the backstop out. We can't just ignore the backstop. No, it it's exists, incredibly it exists serious, incre- And as we keep being reminded by our friends across the pond, any, any, or any sort of end deal we have with Europe that threatens the Good Friday Agreement could jeopardise our relationship uh, with indeed. the states. Although, and rightly so, because, and rightly so. My, my, my 
two thoughts when we were just sort of drafting this earlier on was it does seem that um, we are using, the EU does seem to be using that to kind of hold us hostage, which is very, very uncomfortable. Uh, and the second thing is I'm not sure that peace in across the Irish Sea, it hangs by such a gossamer thread that, that we think it does. And I think we might be terrified of something that isn't perhaps as terrifying as we think. Okay. No? In, in, uh, provocative. Thank Emily, yes. can you do a better job than yeah. this? Her, I'm her going movement. free reign. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, freestyle. <laughs> no script, just, just rolling it off the tongue. Yeah. Okay, so the Irish, bo- uh, sorry, the backstop is a safety net if a deal is not uh, preceded by the EU and the UK after the two year transition period. Um, this will keep the UK in the custo- uh, singles customs territory, um, but it will mean that Northern Ireland will be subject to extra EU rules. And obviously, that's the big that's the big twist because it treats Northern Ireland differently to the rest of the UK, mm-hmm. and that's very worrying well, times. Um, and and the only way that the backstop can be removed is if both parties agree to it. Um, so essentially, we could be locked into the backstop. Uh, indefinitely Indefin- that's yeah. very scary so. I think Joe called it the Hotel California clause on this um, yeah, yeah, podcast once I've referenced I've it I doubt yeah. <laughs> it's, it's scary times um, I'm just going to borrow my definition of the backstop okay. from my little friend well, Donald Tusk okay. just as a reminder of why it's there the backstop is an insurance policy to avoid the hard a hard border on the island of Ireland unless and until an alternative is found those against the backstop are not proposing realistic alternatives in fact support re-establishing a border even if they don't admit it say that again which bit? The last bit. Those against the backstop and not proposing realistic alternatives are in fact supporting re-establishing a border, even if they don't admit it. So he's saying, like, yeah, you can, yeah, you can, rail, you can rail against the backstop, but unless you come up with a better um, solution than so, I don't know, satellites yeah, it, in the sky, you're well, basically <laughs> suggesting a return to well, the, pre-Good Friday. But what he's what he's saying is not. He hasn't got a realistic solution because it's got a cat and health chance of getting through Parliament. So therefore, a cat and health chance of ever happening without proroguing. And we know where that oh, leaves proroguing. us. You know? Well, that's later in the script, yeah, yeah. I know yeah, you well. like to stick, stick no, to the script. No, I'm just, I'm just saying that. I, I, he, yeah. What he's suggesting is we'll never get, we'll never get, we know it will never get through. Um, you know, we saw it with the Malt House Agreement, which was essentially yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Where yeah. did you stand on the Malt House Agreement? Um... It's, it's a hard one because obviously it does deal with the uh, backstop issue and you know the whole idea is that it had a uh, cross-party support uh but obviously there's a there's a lot of other issues and i think boris now needs to look at the whole withdrawal agreement and i think there was so much positivity behind boris coming in you know it was going to be a fresh start and to kind of reintroduce a withdrawal agreement uh kind of takes away from that because it is quite a tainted kind of word like even even if you don't look at what inside it, everyone hears withdrawal agreement and they think, oh no, that's awful. Yeah. It's just tainted by kind of public opinion now. Mm. So I think we need a, to completely scrap it and a fresh news start. And I was hoping that would be something that Boris would bring. Right. Kind of rejuvenate the whole negotiation process. Exactly. You are a dream on this podcast because that segues really <laughs> nicely into the, is this is this the beginning well, of the Boris betrayal? You're a gee, you're, I couldn't be more grateful to have you here. You're the only one so far. Um, is this the beginning of the Boris? So, every week. Don't know why we're bothered, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you now? <laughs> maybe if they just read the email that I circulate 24 hours before the podcast. I don't know, Emily. Maybe, help me out. Maybe. Help me out here. Uh, Farage, Richard Tice, all were tweeting that this is the beginning of this is the beginning of the end of promise, Boris. Um, Anne Widdicombe is in our fine organ this morning, yes, isn't she, indeed. Paul? Yeah, yeah. Uh, saying something similar. Uh, Boris and the Tories cannot be trusted to deliver a proper Brexit. She says. Um, is it? 
are there suspicious is this kind of just rabble rousing from what we consider now a slightly defunct lobbying group the brexit party or is this is this you know is this how kind of brexit is a feeling that this is the beginning of boris sort of softening up on all that rhetoric that we well, had just a few weeks ago Ms. So, Emily. <laughs> so of course the brexit party the whole point of the brexit party now is to push the brexit to the hardest possible um but i do i do think that it was interesting because boris was quite ambiguous at times during his leadership campaign about whether he would completely scrap the withdrawal agreement or he'd just you know scrap the the back Stop. A lot of people were saying that he was saying things, different things to different people, which was quite interesting. Um, there was a lot of uh, allusion to that. But uh, I do think that for this to work, I think Boris does need to scrap the withdrawal agreement because, uh, you know, the back, we all talk about the backstop, but there are a lot more issues. Uh, I mean, including like the whole fishing situation. Um, so I think for Boris to be successful and to uh, kind of remain well liked within the party, I think it is time to kind of renegotiate the whole withdrawal agreement that is so badly tainted. Mm. But they just keep saying that we can't do that. Joe, yeah. what do you think? What's the, what are they saying? And what's the mood music? In Brussels. So they are aware that the withdrawal agreement, even without the backstop, most likely doesn't pass the Commons, which is a big worry for them because they kind of see Marc Francois, they see the ERG. And I was just talking to one of my usual sources this morning. He goes, Joe, will we get enough Labour coming across? And we're hearing Stephen Kinnock has kind of put together a team of about 30 MPs from Labour who might back the deal as it is because they're scared of no deal. But essentially, we still don't have the arithmetic to get a deal through the Commons. And I'm not quite sure the EU has an answer to that other than, okay, let's just do no deal. And then you can implement something that looks like the backstop. You can pay the 39 billion and you can guarantee citizens' rights. And then we'll come back to the table and start kind of trying to fix what they think will be a big mess. Mm, yeah. Around with Preeti Patel in his hands then, won't he, if he wants yeah. to secure uh, EU citizens' just, rights? Um, as a just as a, a sort of slight thing, um, Richard Tice yesterday was having a go at Boris, um, and so I got one of the reporters to ring up the Brexit party and explain what their solutions were. Go on, I got deafening <laughs> silence. Oh dear, <laughs> nothing says a lot to be fair. <laughs> I was hoping they was going to be able to say, "Oh yeah," because this is a solution, and that's you know, it's just yeah, the, 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 you know, nothing. Did this one? Maybe it feels like Brexit just doesn't work. Um, <laughs> Oh well, no. <laughs> right, or maybe we just have a softer Brexit where we stay in the single. But that isn't Brexit. Mm. If you do that whole shebang, it's not, not really Brexit, is it? <laughs> but none of us knew not what, what Bre- the people voted for. But they didn't. We didn't vote no. for a. We didn't vote for a hard border. We didn't vote for a return to violence on the island of Ireland. We didn't vote for a lot of this stuff, did we? This was Theresa May's there is quite a lot imagining. Of some of it's still scaremonger, isn't it? I mean, some of it's real. Yeah. Um, but it's a bit more complex than perhaps we imagine. I think so. Imagine the definition of Brexit taking a country. has warped though, hasn't it? Like it was it was leaving with a deal and now everyone seems yeah. very up for just getting the hell out. Which segues nicely into the po- God, everything's segueing. <laughs> I am so happily transitioning. I'm so grateful to you. spinning with these, no, so many segues. <laughs> so many segues. How, <laughs> where we, where? I think those funny machines they that you those have funny on. Machines. Which is, <laughs> do you know those funny like... We should get some of those next week. You can we'll do, do tours it. on if you're <laughs> yeah. a very lazy tourist and, they're sort of like, and you sort of stand on them and you drive them around. Yeah, we'll come over to Brussels. Right, I want one. Yeah, they're, they're a bit like... They have them in Brussels. We'll come over to Brussels and do the podcast on segues. Just for comedy oh, yeah, while you're right. alone. I'm that with you. I'm then with we'd you. win an award. We didn't win an award. <laughs> Why are oh we not God. on those right now? Yeah, quite. That would have been Come really on. fun. Maybe we'll do it on a treadmill or something. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm not sure it's quite the same. No. <laughs> um, sorry, so we started with nothing to do because we did. Because talking about the definition of Brexit has blurred. You're saying people did not vote for a softer Brexit than the one that we're angling for. The backstop doesn't work. 
So, Paul, what are the, the readers of Express.co.uk saying in one, of your, saying, in one of your finally managed our, polls? Um, in our poll this week. Um, do we have a weekly poll? No, we have a daily poll. Oh, sorry. Daily poll, young lady. <laughs> <laughs> do keep up. But yesterday's, we're, and we had 50-odd thousand people, I think, in the poll, which is pretty huge. Um, it's not a scientific cross-section of the community, etc. Et yeah, but it's people like, who care about Brexit. But it's, um, it's people. people who care about Brexit. And we asked them, would you accept Theresa May's deal without the backstop? And 83% said, no, we wouldn't. They just won't. Oh, out. my goodness. Right? 14% said, yeah, we would, and 3% didn't know. The, the, what, the, How the, many didn't know? 43? No, 3%. 3%. 3%, 3%, 3%, 3%, 3%. Yeah. Um, the mood music we are massively getting, it's not even a mood music, it's like a fanfare, uh, is um, <laughs> people want this done. They just want it done. There was um, the guy, one of the, um, the leaders of a massively pro-Remain group called, I can't remember what they're called, but um, anyway, the... There is a piece on the website in about half an hour from now, and it will be explaining that he now just says, just get it done. Even a Remainer? Yes. Goodness. Just get it done. It's just dragging on and dragging on. And it, and it's it's um, kind of crippling the country in on this side and the other side There's of the channel. Because no we can't make decisions. About you know? anything else. Yeah, absolutely. Everything is falling yeah. to pieces absolutely. around us, and yes. all yeah, we yeah, can yeah, talk yeah. about is back, yeah. backstops. Um do you agree with that sentiment? Would you just, are you, do you think the deal is trash even if the backstop was fixed? I do. Um, there's a lot of issues with it. I mean, like the fact that the UK law will essentially uh, remain under jurisdiction from the ECJ. Uh, I think, and also the fishing waters will essentially remain under EU control. And I think that is worrying because the whole point of Brexit for me was about sovereignty and this withdrawal agreement doesn't actually provide the sovereignty that I that I sort of campaigned for and that people I feel voted for uh, so that's worrying and I think it just like I said I just think it has so much negative energy around it now I think it's just time to scrap and start again and I think Boris is the person to do it because now the EU realise that he is serious about no deal and that's a serious prospect and I mean even Germany is saying uh, predicting that they will go into recession if uh, if we leave, if the UK leaves with no deal, so I think it is in everyone's favour to kind of work something out. Um, but in the worst case scenario, I would pick n- probably no deal over this withdrawal agreement. You are a renegade. <laughs> You're a lunatic. <laughs> After reading, uh, sorry, I think Emily's made a really really good point there. <laughs> right? Which she's picked up on the um, Germany looking down the barrel of a, a full blown recession, and the last thing it wants to do is. Uh, lose another massive market. Um, if they, if the Germany can't sell a BMW or a Volkswagen over here uh, come November the first, um, that recession is going to look deeper. Not, not bad you know, news for you because yeah. I know you like a new BMW every year. Isn't Obviously, it? Yeah. Yeah. every year. <laughs> 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 like, you saw my car. <laughs> <laughs> Paul's quite flash. <laughs> As you can probably tell. I mean, I just... <laughs> everything he's... about me says flash. It's the um, northern powerhouse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we'll intro you on the podcast now. Oh, you've really flattered it by calling him that, Joe. Um, so let's so th- th- give Boris another day to try and figure out. He's calling it a backstopectomy, which sounds incredibly painful and probably something that he's had to go through before. Um, he's also, he also says he needs a lot of I think there's something to, to be said for um, Boris is a very charming person. Do you think that? Give Absolutely. Him, giving him a nod. Screams yeah. charisma. Um, like like all political commentators, I used to work with Boris many years ago at uh-huh. uh, a different newspaper. And um, I it was my first, I'll give you this quick anecdote, right? My first day there. That should be quick. And I'm, um, and I'm sort of 
completely dressed in my three-piece suit because it's the it's a daily telegraph, right? Obviously, right. Uh, you mean you're not in your trendy uh, trainers like you are today? Emily, have you clocked those, yeah, I've those got trainers? I've got a sore foot. I don't, I don't oh, wear yeah, trainers to work. Black and white. Yeah. I'm, carrying, I'm carrying an injury. Very well. We're trying to make it. That's what they all say. We're trying to be more like Buzzfeed from the from the ankles down. Chilled vibe. I'm so trendy, Dad. No, so I was at the Telegraph, and I'm in this three-piece suit and, and doing, you know, uh, watching my P's and Q's and being as posh as I possibly can because I'm in the Telegraph, right? Yeah. And anyway, about two o'clock in the afternoon, there's a fire drill, fire alarm, the fire drill. And it's in this building. It's Canary Wharf Tower, right? Right. And um, everyone piles out, runs out, and they're assembled downstairs, and the, the fire wardens are calling out everybody's name. And at the end, just, there's just this, um, Johnson, Johnson, Boris Johnson. <laughs> Where's Boris Johnson? <laughs> and, and then a few seconds later, shambling out of the fire door, yeah. comes this um, completely um, unkempt, posh bloke called <laughs> Boris, <laughs> with his cuffs kind of dangling on the floor almost. So, oh, oh, blah, 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 what's, what's going on? What's <laughs> that was a good impression. And I was, I was introduced that that was Boris, and it just it, it kind of made me think. Where had he been that, trying to fight the fire? Uh, well, yeah. He loves putting out fires. Obviously, the the point of the anecdote is is Boris a man for whom uh, alarm bells? <laughs> when everyone oh. else can hear the alarm bells, is Boris completely oblivious to them? Oh, he's like <laughs> Chuck Norris. <laughs> when, when everyone else is running for their lives, does Boris think, oh, "I'll be okay. I'll be okay. I'll just I'll just a bit more on from I'll be fine." <laughs> That's very really good. That's funny. Well done. Yeah, uh, <laughs> be a bit more patronising. <laughs> I, I, I didn't know where that was going. I didn't know if there was going to be. No, see, there was a point to it. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. Alarm bells. Alarm bells. But maybe alarm bells should be ringing because I know alarm we, we ringing, all subscribe yeah, yeah. to the Times, and over the weekend they obviously had this leak from someone in government, uh, Operation Yellowhammer. Probably Yellow- not Hammond. Absolutely not. Absolutely not <laughs> Hammond. No There's no problems with no leaking. Way. Not no. at all. No. Did you know, firstly, a yellow hammer is a type of bird? Is it? I did. A tiny, beautiful bird. And it's also a very sad poem. So there's some kind of poetry, literally, to this league. There is. Would you like to hear a quick stanza from a sad poem? poem. Oh my God, it's super sad. And like as though the plague became a guest, leaving a houseless home, a ruined nest, and mournful hath the little warbler sung, when such like woes hath rent its little breast. <laughs> I mean, can you think of anything more sad? I'll tell you. Right. I feel that that sets the tone. Yeah. Uh, the news editor on the Express was telling me that it's called Yellowhammer. Yeah. Because the song of the Yellowhammer is recognised by ornithologists as not having any a little bit of bread and no, no cheese. cheese. Yeah, it's a it's a and sad somber thing. Clever it's ironic. A, yeah. Thing that I can't it all links together. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> it's, a, it's a sad poem. Yeah, just throw these leaked documents together. You know, they plan them well in advance. They have the private little jokes built into them, and none of us can get. Yeah. So it's so. An alarm bell is ringing. A little bird is tweeting or sobbing. We're looking for his cheese. Oh, it doesn't matter. That was uh, a well, part I, of the script. Um, I mean, we poo-poo this kind of stuff all the time, but how do you argue with field distri- distribution being disrupted, uh, chaos at the ports, medical supplies being vulnerable to delays, v- vulnerable groups being affected by food shortages, a complete crisis for the fishing vessels that we care a lot about. Um, it's almost clashes as if it's been between us and the EU. by a Remain group 
to spread fear no, and confusion. It's, it's, this, this thing is... Oh, heard it here first. oh here we go. <laughs> Protests across the UK, which will require a significant amount of police resources. I hate to tell you, Emily, but the man you're sitting next to did go on a march for a second referendum once upon a time. Oh, so did my dad, don't worry. Rising, rising costs will hit social care. Great stuff. Uh, Gibraltar will face delays of more than four hours at the border with Spain. Uh, clean drinking water... Over 100,000 people could be affected by um, issues with the chemical supply chain. I mean, this is not a laughing matter, is it? It is a very somber bird oh, without oh, any cheese. Only, only if it were true. <laughs> In the strongest terms. It's, it's, a, it's an old document. It's out of date. And some of it's just simply not true. The French... What um, bit's the, not the, true? The, 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 the boss at the... Um, the boss of the Calais port mm. uh, has said, out, subsequent to that, um, that... It, on November the 1st, it'll be pretty much like October the 31st because uh, 60%, no, 30% of British trucks will be empty anyway, so they don't need checks. 60% carry goods that don't need checks. So we're talking about a very small number of trucks, right? And he described it, and I, my French isn't great, but I think he described it as mer du vache. Uh, <laughs> Are you going to translate that for us? Well, I think... We don't have your education, you see. I think, I think he could describe it as... BS, but he used the word. Oh, okay. I see. Well, that was my French can translation. I in, can I intervene there? <laughs> right, okay, yeah, yeah. Are you going to correct his French? <laughs> Not correct his French. My French is also pretty meagre, despite living on the continent for 18 months. But there's a reason why November the 1st is a very good date for Calais. Go on. Because it is a national holiday to Sant, All Saints Day. Is that so that is why French roads will be absolutely empty and trucks will not be operating. So... Uh-huh. So is that good or very... bad? I'm, com- I'm completely Is that confused. a joke? Means... No. <laughs> no, no, no. Back so, to the punchline. <laughs> Emily, I've been uh, waiting a while for no, that. No, sorry, Emily. Uh, this, can, this you add a bit, can you clarify what on earth you mean by all... What? Well, so it's all a national holiday, so... It's a national holiday in France. Right. And Belgium. Um, um, and okay. And a lot of Europe, essentially. Um, so which basically... A skeleton no staff on at Calais, right? Skeleton staff, but yeah. also those truckers, the French truckers, European truckers, Belgian truckers, they won't be trucking that day. They will be celebrating All Saints Day. Okay. Okay. So, is this good for us or bad for us? I can't work out. It's good because if there's no one trying to get through Calais, there won't um, be queues. Uh, as such, probably, oh. There won't be queues. Ah. Okay. So, so for one the day, then it will be fine. Boss has been very, very intelligent about his wording on November the first. Okay. Oh, oh, I, I see, see where you're going yes. with Emily. Yeah. Emily yeah. and I got it at the same time. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm glad. Emily, do you? It's a struggle, subsurge, though, isn't it? Are you and Andrew Bridge and I? Are you saying like this is just Project Fear? Right, right, right. What, what do you think? And do you, how do you seriously feel about this kind of threat? Are you, as a Brexiteer, prepared to kind of put the country through some of these things if we were to have a No Deal? Do you think it has any impact? Do you think it might soften people like you? Like, what do you think? Or do you think it actually just makes everyone even more resilient and more determined mm. to leave on the 31st of October, despite whether it's All Saints Day or a joke or the, the, <laughs> there are people <laughs> tracking? <knows> <laughs> yeah. um, so I think this has obviously been made very clear that this is the worst case scenario, whether it's scaremongering or not. Um, I mean, James cleverly has gone on national TV and said that this is the worst case scenario. And it is an old document, but I think it's important to, you know, kind of uh, kind of look at those worst case scenarios so we can be prepared for those. So now we've looked at those, we should we should be all good. Um, I don't think it does change my opinion because I think it's kind of frustrating that 
if this is kind of a project fear, that's kind of the whole reason that we almost voted for Brexit because, you know, we had all of these kind of experts saying, oh, this is going to happen, all that scaremongering. And I think a lot of people kind of, you know, rebelled against that and thought, actually, I'm going to vote for Brexit because I believe in it. Who cares about the experts? Um, So I think kind of bringing this to the table makes people even more want to leave because a lot of people see it as a scaremongering kind of mechanism. Um, But it definitely doesn't soften my position because I think over any economic argument or these arguments uh, indeed, I think democracy wins the day. I think that does. Even even over economic suicide, we we all knew the risks. They were made very, very clear Emily, by the Remain campaign. Emily Hewitson, when was it made clear that you might not have access to your well, antidepressants or that there <laughs> that, might be that dirty is, that water? Is the, that is the Can worst I? bit of scaremongering because the only re, the only way... I'm going to ban scaremongering in medis- a minute. The only way that medicines could be kept out of the country is if the EU and the French had an actual blockade because the medicines are on the way here. And, and all we've got to do is say, yeah, you can bring them in on the train, bring them in on the trucks. Unless they're actually blockaded, and which just beggars belief, the medicines are fine. Okay, cool. I will tell that then to everyone who's on medicines. Were you going to say something? Yes. So I, I have spoken to a number of people in the NHS drug cycle, and they believe they have stocked up six months worth of supplies for like the kind of most needy patients um to ensure and they've done for like kind of higher level patients they they've put together personal plans to make sure that if that drug is hard come by they will have at least six months supply of it okay no i, I remembered what it was joe when it was the point that emily was made which was that um every week of my entire career i get sent hundreds of uh, experts and analysts having their expert and analytical opinion. And they never, because it's human nature and it's arse covering, say, everything's going to be brilliant! Because if they get it wrong, it's a lot, lot worse than them saying, everything's going to be terrible! And then it being better. So it's just kind of human nature and kind of analytical arse covering. Can I say that? Am I allowed to say that? Okay. Um, they just you, you never get a report saying everything's going to be brilliant. It's always going to... It's always, the downside, it's always a negative. It's not, I'm not going to say a scaremonger again. I'm just going to say it takes, it takes a critical and negative a view. A view. Um, and, and I would do that if I was an analyst, because if I got it wrong, it would take a You want to cover yourself. Yeah, yeah you, you want to cover yourself. Yeah. So if you were both ardent Remainers, how would you, how could, how do you think they should be approaching this kind of stuff better then? So if you, so everything, every warning that gets issued is now just kind of, is just kind of rubber, red stamped as scaremongering. So what should they be, what should... What, if you were on the other side, Emily, what advice would you be giving to kind of the equivalent of you? So, uh, first of all, I would definitely be using this to get my message out there that we should stay in the EU because this will all happen because, you know, that's what Ramonas do. Yeah. That's just classic Ramona behaviour. Uh, but I would be concerned about the no deal preparations if I was a Remainer. But I think it's very interesting, actually. I remember when my local MP resigned from government, Chris Eaton-Harris, and in his letter, he actually stated that one of the reasons he, he resigned um, under Theresa May was because Theresa May kind of wiped no deal off the table and he felt frustrated because he felt that there was no deal preparations there and all of his work and his team's work was a waste of time. So I think 
when you hear things like this, it is worrying, but it's an old document. And I mean, Boris Johnson's investing a lot into no deal. And I think we will be prepared and we'll be okay. But obviously as a Remainer, I'd be, I'd be loving this. You'd be loving this. I'd be loving the leak. I don't know where they are, these Remainers. I feel like you can't, I don't know where they've gone. <laughs> loving, they, they should be loving the leak and they're not. And then it just gets, you know, yeah. Yeah. Disregarded as... If you were a Remainer, wouldn't you just think, be a bit annoyed that you're lost, but start getting on with your life a bit now? You won the first one. You won the no, first one in 1974. Well done. I hear that Remainers and really like of, clean water. They've just got this thing about clean water. <laughs> and I feel like, like they're fine not, about getting, not getting not sick in the next six months. We're going to go back to the Stone Age on November the 1st and have to sort of find a well for our water. Who would know? As long as we're still on air, I don't, I don't care what happens. <laughs> Have any has anyone on this podcast been invited to form a government of national unity? Uh, I was actually, but I was. Um, <laughs> was Are you busy? <laughs> I was preparing for the podcast, and well, it's priorities, really, isn't it? I mean, yeah. do you know the song "I'm a Gnu"? How do you do? <laughs> <laughs> it's not a song; it was an advert. <laughs> was that not yeah. a song? Do you know that? Do you know I'm a Gnu? How do you do? Yeah. No, oh, I think that was a bit before my time. It was, it was before it'll, my time. It'll be on guys. YouTube somewhere. <laughs> I'm old enough to tell you it was an advert for Typhoo Tea back in the 70s. Oh, I'm itching to look that up. Um, it's, itching. it's lols, it's lols. Because I guess that is where our remainers are, aren't they? We've got Joe Swinson, who's kind of yeah. anointed herself as, goodness knows what, a sort of kingmaker, who sort of suggested either yeah. King, Ken Clark, rather Ken Clark, Ken Clark or Harriet Harman could form a temporary government to prevent a no-deal Brexit if Boris Johnson loses his vote of no confidence at the beginning, if there is one and he loses it. Yeah. Um, she doesn't seem so keen on Corbyn doing it. Can't imagine why. She's more sensible than we thought. Uh, what do we think of this? Um, I, this think is, it's, I think yeah. it's very interesting. It's definitely a ploy by the Remain gang in Parliament. And I think that's always been their aim to kind of, you know, overturn the result of the referendum. I think it's very concerning and I don't think it will happen realistically. And even in 1940, when there was a successful, you could argue, um, government of national unity, what they did have was a representative from the government. So it's very interesting that they're kind of pushing the elected representatives um, away from this. It's, it's interesting. Paul is giving you a nod. Uh, no, I, just, I, I read a really brilliant column about this. Not yours. Uh, oh, it was, yeah. <laughs> was no, it your one? You can't. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> was it actually? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I'll link you after the podcast. You're going to, you'll love it. No, the, I, I made the, the bleeding obvious point that um, we are a nation who, who uh, has decided to leave the EU mm. um, and Joe Swinson, who commands 14 MPs in Parliament, a massive 2% mm-hmm. of the House of Commons. Uh, why we even listening to her is, is beyond me. But anyway, uh, she she's proposed as representative of this um, body of people. Ken Clark. Who like, we all love. We love you, but, I mean... It, we love oh, him because he... Cause father he, of the house. Yeah. Oh, he's getting yeah. up. Because he's father of the house. We're like, side-eyeing him. We love him, but, but he's, Just because he's, he's old doesn't mean we have to love him. We've all got this job, We love him because we'd love to go for a pint with him, wouldn't we? Right? Oh, right. That's why we love him. Okay. And he would have brilliant anecdotes and he'd be witty and charming and fantastic, but he's nobody's idea of a Brexiteer. He's the no, hardest he's core he, Europhile he's trying in the to, house, And he's trying right? to prevent a no deal. Um, and he also likes to hang Brexit altogether, I'd argue. Absolutely, okay, what he is. Okay. That's his, and he's never made a secret of that, and that's probably also why we, we, we like him a great deal. Uh, and then the other one's Harriet Harman. Yep. Uh, nobody's idea of a of a Brexiteer. Absolutely no. And Jeremy Trump. Corbyn, 
Great champion. Who's nobody's idea of anything at the moment because we don't yeah, really what know what he? you think. Yeah. I mean, no one knows what you think. I mean, yeah. It's, uh, and, and those th- proposing those three as somehow representative uh, of the laughably titled Government of National Unity. I'm a canoe. <laughs> or indeed, I'm a canoe. <laughs> t- a scary thing for me, though, if this ever happened, and it won't, um, there will be real, real problems. If you think there's unrest in Britain now, um, it would legitimise some nasty elements. Absolutely, of absolutely. And it would be a very dangerous path to go down, a dangerous game to play. But this is kind of all as a, this is kind of all the, the kind of one of the final hopes that as a Remainer they have left, isn't it? Is that that they call a vote of no confidence that Boris loses? I mean, there are so many ifs and there are so many stages we need to get to, and then this is the best that we've got is Harriet Harman and Ken Clark. Uh, as as I said, if if they are the answer, God knows what the question is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, pretty depressing. Joe, um, just quickly, Boris is obviously, I meant to talk about this earlier, Boris is is kicking around Europe today, isn't he? He's meet, meeting Merkel and Macron. He is. What, 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 if anything, are we expecting from them? And how is the news that the UK are going to stop attending meetings after the 1st of September? I think Paul's issued a similar diktat this, over here as well. <laughs> not going to attend. Not attending news. Yeah, not attending anything. Anyway. I'm not going to any more meetings. He's not going to any, we're going to sort of, we're going to roll out of, we're going to stop playing such an integral role with, uh, in the EU. Um, that that okay, can't be well, setting a great tone, can it? No, let me start with that. So, um, I actually reported this on, I think, August the 13th it was. So it's taken the, the, it's take, it's taken the government nearly, well, nearly two weeks to basically make its full mind up that it's leaving. And so um, I was speaking to one of my EU sources at the time, and they said, look, it's entirely counterproductive. So they told me it does make, it, make things easier for all sides. You can't keep living in the same house forever once you've decided to file for divorce. But... What the EU see is they don't think it will further the chances of the deal. And what it does is it underlines that Boris Johnson isn't actually seeking a deal. So it's kind of moving to this point where they're like, why do we bother trying to do a deal with you? Why do we listen to you when you're doing everything to make a deal look impossible? So there is a, there is a, there is a degree of frustration on this side of the continent. But realistically, I think we're still going to see a lot of kind of British attendance at meetings. Because um, they basically said national security, so the big stuff on like Iran, on the Middle East, and anything to do with um, Brexit, right? And Brexit, we don't attend anyway, really. Oh, that's not. Article oh, okay. 50, that's Article Fifty formats. That's done with the EU Twenty Seven. Okay. The obviously the EU meetings that we will attend will be between Stephen Barclay and the Commission. Okay. So Barnier. Yeah. So we're not going to actually miss that much in the grand scheme of things that will actually affect us. So it's very much a symbolic kind of up yours to the EU and show the British people that we're leaving. But really, what's it going to do? Do you think it's more nothing? to play, play domestically than, than over there then, really? A- a- absolutely. Everything Boris is doing, and the EU thinks this, is to a domestic audience. Yeah. Um, so I get tweet after, no, sorry, text after text going, bloody hell, he's doing it again. Everything he does is to preserve the Conservative Party against Nigel Farage. So... The EU kind of, that's what they see of of his planning. So they won't, until he comes to the table and asks to do something constructive, they're going to say, look, everything he says is to stop Nigel Farage, which is, I suppose, fair enough. How well do we think Um, he's doing with that? Because I'm not convinced. uh, It's possible that the Brexit party and the Tory party could eat each other. Death, well, you're sitting, you're sitting next to someone course, who absolutely. was yeah, yeah. who was a, who was, a, a, was a registered yeah. Tory yeah, yeah. member, canvassed the Tory party, and then 
What happened to well, you? You went on telly. You know, the and big one. I'm sure. I'm sure a lot of Conservative <laughs> Party members are in the same boat here. Um, but you know what? I did vote for the Brexit Party because I think I think that was the message that the Conservative Party needed. Like I was doing them a favour at the end of the day. <laughs> I was showing that that Brexit did need to you know be sorted out. And subsequently, around that time was when Theresa May resigned. So worked out lovely. Got my way <laughs> as usual. <laughs> I think that was down to you, wasn't it? Yeah, all, all me personally. <laughs> well, you have had nine hundred thousand views of your question time moment haven't you yeah. Nine hundred thousand yes, video views that's staggering yes. and a couple of uh, Twitter followers here and there as well so yeah it's been quite crazy just from a little question uh, it's time it's been a bit of a weird yeah. kind of roller coaster ride how has that been oh it was crazy so the day after I went on question time I woke up to about five missed calls and my house phone was ringing from journalists wanting to speak to me <laughs> I mean I literally think we were doing that yeah. Yeah. Journalists. <laughs> the biggest culprits were right here <laughs> um, so yeah and then obviously I've got a lot of opportunities from that so it's been really good to kind of show that uh, a Brexiteer doesn't need to fit the Brexiteer stereotype of being an old white man yeah um and, you know, young people can support Brexit and feel strongly about that. And it's all about changing the stereotypes. I think that's always a good thing. You, yeah, definitely. Sure. And just wh- why do you support Brexit? <laughs> um, so the main so the main reason before is I actually went around and looked at the EU Parliament and I was just looking at it and I was thinking, wow, this is just not representative of the average person from like Dagnum, for example. I don't know what I picked Dagnum, but... Um, and then it was mostly the sovereignty issue. But now I feel that that's... All done now. Or I think North it's now about. Right? I am from Northampton. Yeah. Um, I feel the sovereignty issues or the issues surrounding the actual referendum are over now. I think it's about whether you're, you believe in democracy or not. So it's all about democracy for me now. I think all of the other arguments, you know, that the time for that was during the referendum campaign. That's done and dusted. We voted to leave. Now it's whether you believe in democracy or not. I hate to say it, but she's spot on again. Yes, no, she's, she's, she's a star for a reason. Um, whatever you think about Brexit one way or the other, I think it does boil down to now whether you think democracy means absolutely obeying the results of a, a referendum or whether you think there's a sort of way out of it, a way around it. Democ- the, democracy the, at any price, yeah. seemingly. Yeah. Or, yeah. No, but that, that's, that's probably the issue. Democracy at any price. Or is there a... Um, are there times when democracy is not the solution is probably what the other side of that coin is well in six months time when we run out of medicine and we're all sort of surviving on one chlorinated chicken (laughs) at least we've got democracy at least we've got that democracy that does tend to keep you warm and clean and and keeps your phone bill affordable when you want to go abroad all right what what date's it today uh 21st i don't know right in six months time let's sit down and have the conversation and see unless we're in our caves Or unless I've got to nip down the road for the, some well water. From the, yeah. <laughs> we'll, all, we'll have all got to glow up from the sovereignty. That's when, I, when, I, when I have a Belgian telephone number, that's when you know things are bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, final thoughts. On, final thoughts. Um, would you like to hear the funniest joke from Edinburgh about Brexit? This is the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Yes. Uh, Go we, on. I think, I think we absolutely... Are you ready? Are you, ready? you know what? We've only me. sat through the rest of the podcast yeah. to get to this oh, point. Oh, yeah, exactly. I'm only here for the joke. <laughs> and then I'm off. <laughs> What's driving Brexit? From here, it looks like it's probably the Duke of Edinburgh. Hey. Do you like that one? Said hey, by, I've got a better one said than that. by Milton oh, Jones. I've got a better one than that. Go yeah, on. Hang on, hang on. Did you like that, Emily? What did you um, think? Yeah, it was quite good. Like the analogy, maybe yeah. like car crash. Yeah, car, yeah, yeah. the car crash yeah, was po- yeah, not two. bad. Uh, one's you, about Boris. Yeah. Uh, Boris is like a kid. He's unpredictable. He's emotional. And you've got to keep him away from China. Oh, very good. <laughs> oh, God. Very good. 
And, uh, hang on, there's another one. He didn't make this up. Oh, no, 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 these are, I nicked them from the fringe. These are the top Boris gags from the fringe, apparently. Boris's mobile must have gone crazy when he got the number 10 job. Imagine the number of texts saying, good luck, Dad. Oh, <laughs> oh very good, very good. Um, do you have any jokes you want to share, Emily? No, but no. I think Brexit is going to be driven by Lewis Hamilton <laughs> instead. <Well>, hey. <laughs> she loves a sporting analogy. Um, who doesn't? Who doesn't? Okay, yeah. we're actually not here next week, but we will <clears throat> convene the following week uh, because we will have had, Boris would have been at the G7. Yep. Uh, we'll be doing more No Deal planning. Emily will have gained a few more thousand followers online. Yeah, <laughs> When do you start at university? Uh, September. And where are you going to? Come work out. King's. Okay. Did you really decided decided by a Twitter poll. Oh my god! <laughs> nothing like nothing like a bit of a referenda to decide your like future. Like. You might have to do a second you might have vote. To, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ref too. yeah. Anyway, if I didn't agree with the result, I could have always done the opposite. Anyway, <laughs> so really, I'm going to campaign for you to go to Northampton. Oh god! Stop. <laughs> Emily, you are the spirit of Brexit, and I love it. Thank you so much for joining Thank us. Thank you this so week. much for Paul, as always, an honour and a privilege. Well, he's still living in it. Excellent <laughs> stuff. Joe, keep fighting the good fight. Well done. See you next Thanks, week. Joe. Bye, everyone. Bye. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Brexit, the final countdown. If you like what you heard, make sure you click subscribe. And if you really enjoyed it, you could always leave us a review. <laughs>